Well, a really big welcome to Forest Fold this morning, and it's great, isn't it, to meet together again, and uh, you're very welcome to be with us here, and if you're joining us online too. Let me just mention a couple of things before we begin. Um, on uh, Tuesday, we have our men's event. It's still time to sign up to that if you would uh, like to join us for bowling. Um, on Thursday, there's a church meeting after the prayer meeting, and also, you've probably seen up on the, the wall the Kent Men's Convention um, on the 4th of, thank you, on the 4th of March. And I know uh, Saturdays are a very valuable time for us men, um, but I think this is really valuable too. And uh, if at all possible, I think it would be a great investment for you and a really useful time. Um, so it's not too late to book up for that either. And this coming Sunday, we hope to have a fellowship lunch again. Uh, which we're looking forward to. Um, so do sign up for that. If your tendency is to, to rush off after a service, uh, well, perhaps this would be an opportunity for you to stay a bit longer, have some food with us, and spend time together. So do sign up for that in the entrance hall. Well, let's turn to worship God. We have a great God in our verse. First hymn, we're going to sing of the greatness of the Lord. Unnumbered blessings. That's what we have, isn't it? That's what you've had this last week. Whatever we've been going through, yet still God is good. Unnumbered blessings. Give my spirit voice. Tender to me the promise of his word. In God my saviour shall my heart rejoice. Let's stand and sing and give God the praise.
We've got two Bible readings this morning, and our first one is Psalm 23, and that's on page 458, Psalm 23. I know these are great words and very precious to many people, so I'd like to invite you to read along with me um, as we read this psalm together. Let's read it together, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our second reading is in the New Testament in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, which is on page 896. And we're going to read from verse 10 to 21. Jesus has just said, I am the door. And in this passage, he says, I am the good shepherd. And we're following our I am series this morning. So let's read from John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. And many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, we're going to sing again. And then afterwards, Luke is going to do the children's talk. So come up if you're children. And we're going to sing this song. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Let's stand and sing. Thank you. 
Good morning, everyone. Now, I want you to think of something really big. Okay, think of something really big. Right, what are you thinking of? An elephant? Yeah, that's pretty big, isn't it? What else? Football stadium is bigger than an elephant, isn't it? A museum? Yeah, that's big. London is London is massive, isn't it? Yeah, what else? The world, yeah, that trumps all of those so far, doesn't it? Absolutely, these are really, really big things. Now, how, how can you measure stuff? What do we use to measure stuff? Groups. Scales, yeah, so why would we use scales? What, what would we measure with scales? In fact, funnily enough, I've got some here. Not going to jump on it. <laughs> Carrying a little holiday weight. So, um, what, what would you use the scales for? Katie. To find out how heavy something is, so we can find out some weight. What do we measure weight in? What unit do we measure weight in? Jess? Yeah, great. Kilograms, stones, pounds, that sort of thing. Absolutely. What else do we, what else can we measure stuff with? A tape measure. Got one here. Yeah, what, and what, so what can we, what can we, what kind of thing would you measure with a tape measure? How tall something is, yeah, that's it. Should we, should we measure you? Should we see how tall you are? Right. So I make that about 134 centimetres. Pretty good, isn't that? 134 centimetres. We use a tape measure to measure stuff. Now, who can think of who the tallest person in the Bible was? Um, God. <laughs> God, yeah, you're so right. God is the biggest person in the Bible. That wasn't who I was thinking of. Who am I? But you're absolutely right, River. Well done. Goliath. Do you know how big Goliath, does anyone know how big Goliath was? He was, it's a good guess. He was actually a bit taller than that. Was it nine? It was, it was nine foot nine. So do you want to, should we measure that out? Do you want to grab the other end, Kitty Rose? And then we can, we can, so that equates to 297 centimetres. Keep going. Keep going. Well, yeah, okay, so. That is that long. That's if Goliath was laying down, he'd, be, he'd have his head by my toes, and he'd be, have his feet by Kitty Rose's toes. That's pretty tall, isn't it? He was massive. So I wouldn't really want to have met, met him. So thank you, Kitty Rose. So we can use a tape measure. And what else, anything else that we measure stuff with? A ruler, yeah, for maybe something a bit smaller, maybe on our page. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? I've got one more thing, which is completely different. That is... What, what were you going to say that, Katie? Oh, right. What, so what do we measure in a jug? Yes. Yeah, you do measure it in milliliters. Very good. What kind of thing? What kind of things would you measure in milliliters? Water. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, milk. Anything that's liquid. And also, we can measure. Uh, something's volume, can't we? If we have water in there, we can put a stone in and we can see the difference and that's, that's the volume. Now, I want, to, I want to talk to you about how big God is. How tall is God? Very tall. <laughs> very big. And, yeah, and, and do you think we can measure a God in centimetres? Can't measure God in centimetres, can we? Can we weigh him on the scales, though, to find out if he's big? No. Can we measure how big God is in a jug? No, we can't measure how big God is in a jug because he is just everywhere, isn't he? 
And uh, would you mind putting the verse up? Who would like to read that out in a nice, big, loud voice? Yeah, go on, Flynn. Yeah, how can, how can God really live here on the earth? He's so big, and we can't see God like a, like a person with our eyes, can we? But God is a spirit, and God, where is God? God is, he is in heaven, and he's down here on the earth, isn't he? He's everywhere, isn't he? God is everywhere, and so we can't measure him because he is everywhere. So we've got no tape measure would be long enough, no scales would be big enough, no jug would be big enough to measure God. And... Do you know what's so amazing though? Even though God is so big and he holds the whole universe, the whole world, everything that we have in his hands, and even though he's so big and so important, he still loves us. And that's the bit that I love the most, that even though God is so big and we're so like tiny little dots of dust on the earth, and yet God still loves us, he still cares about my problems, he still cares about your problems, and he loves talking to us, and he wants us to be in his family. He values us, even though he's so big and he's created everything, and he's beyond measure because he's so big, and yet he cares about us. And we're quite little, really, aren't we? Even though you're quite tall at 134 centimetres, doesn't compare to how big God is, does it? He's infinitely bigger, and yet he still loves us. And I think that's just a really amazing thing. And that, that verse there, this was, this was Solomon talking. He said, even the sky and the highest place in heaven can't contain you because you're so big. And we thank God that he is on the earth and he does care about us. So I hope you'll remember that um, as you go about your day today. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Luke. Well, let's pray together now, shall we? Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we come before you this morning to pray. And as we've just been thinking, you are immeasurable, you are uncontainable, you are vast beyond our uh, understanding and ability to comprehend your greatness. And so we come in worship as mere mortal human beings. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you should take care of him. And yet, Lord, in all your greatness, in all the vastness of your power, you have a care, a fatherly care and concern for us, your creatures, and us above all creatures. You have placed within us something of yourself. You have intricate knowledge of all of your creation, You know our bodies, you know our minds, you know our soul. Nothing is hidden from you, but we lay open and nothing concealed before your eyes. And whilst there is uh, fear in that, there is also comfort. Lord, we would turn in repentance to you because we know that you're all searching eyes. This week have seen our sin and our shortcomings, our failures. And we turn in repentance this morning and confess our sin to you. But Lord, we are also greatly comforted that you see everything that happens in our lives. You know our weakness, you know our needs. And as a father, you tenderly care for us. As a shepherd, you lead us 
And as God, you are faithful. And Lord, we want to give great thanks to you and praise this morning for the way you deal with us, the way you care for us. Lord, we we just pray that we'll have a greater uh, understanding of how great you are, not only in... um, in your greatness and creation, but in the greatness of your wisdom. And your knowledge is uh, immeasurable too. Uh, you know all things. And we thank you that we have your word, which tells us something of you. Help us to learn more of you, Lord, as we read the Bible today. So we thank you that even our thoughts uh, that are far off and that are kept to ourselves are also known to you. Lord, we pray that we will lean on you for the wisdom and the help that we need in our lives. Lord, bless the children. We thank you for them and ask that they will have a a deeper grasp and understanding of God too. Lord, help them to turn their eyes on Jesus. Uh, Among all the shining, dazzling lights of this passing world, pray that they will be enamoured and drawn to Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world. Lord, I pray that we all will be uh, more taken up with you and less taken up with this world. Lord, help us in that, we pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and as we meet this morning to worship you, we also come under um, the word of God. We come under its authority We come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and so that we take every word, the whole counsel of your word, and we take that as truth. Lord, we we don't want to take words and verses out of context and twist them to suit the ideology and the sewage of this world system around us. But we want to stand firm on your truth to be different. And Lord, we pray you'll give us confidence in your word, that we won't compromise with this world and its passing evil values, but that we'll stand up as a light in a dark place. Lord, we pray that the gospel will always shine brightly and clearly from this church. We pray that you would help Mark today as he preaches to us, and John this evening, and Keith as he's preaching at Five Ashdown. And Lord, we pray that um, you will help them to... Uh, preach your word faithfully, continually, and that we will receive your word and live by it, Lord, we pray. Lord, we ask that wherever the gospel is faithfully preached today, that you will, uh, with your Holy Spirit, be convicting people and drawing people into your kingdom. And as we think of Christians who are persecuted throughout the world, detained in prison cells for years on end, um, or separated from loved ones, or who are tortured, who are murdered, who are pursued out of their hometowns and their churches, burned down. Lord, we pray that you'll be with them. We pray that they will ever be strengthened in the knowledge of your presence, and in their witness, we pray that many will be drawn into your kingdom. Lord, we pray for the church in Cyprus, And the work that James and Rachel head up there, we pray for the Saywells in the Philippines and many others who we can think of. Lord, we ask that you'll give them great success in the work of the gospel, we pray. Lord, we pray for our own community here and thank you for the contacts that we have with others around us. We pray that as we seek to share the gospel with others through different ways, 
Lord, that you would be working in their hearts and drawing them into your kingdom. We pray for hope explored tomorrow evening and we pray, Lord, there that you'd be opening up hearts to the truth of your word. We pray for Martin speaking in the prison today. Lord, we ask that you bless him. We know that no one is too uh, far from you to be drawn into your kingdom. There are no chains on your word and on your ability to save. Lord, we thank you for our Sunday school and for Rooted. And we pray that as we have the privilege of sharing the Bible with these young folk, that your word will be planted deep in their hearts, that it will grow and bring forth fruit. We pray for each one here, Lord, this morning. Ask for your blessing on us in whatever we may be facing and going through at this point. Help us to lean hard on the, um, the, the love and the strength that only you can give in our darkest times. Lord, we pray for those who can't be here, those who are ill, those who are um, confined to hospital or to uh, homes. Lord, we ask that you'll comfort them and be with them in these difficult times. Be with those who are struggling with uh, mental health, with physical health. Lord, may they know you uh, close by them. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you for the rest of this day and pray that as we hear your word, that it will change us and make a difference to our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, before Mark preaches for us, we're going to uh, sing our next uh, song. All the way my Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? And if we, if we can sing this and say, yeah, I feel like that. I, I can't doubt God who's been faithful to me. Um, he's just good. I'm going to just rest in him. I surrender to him and say, Lord, your will, not, my, not mine. And if that's how you feel, that's a, that's a, be encouraged. That's a good place to be spiritually. There's signs of good progress in our lives if, if that's how we feel, a trust in God and wanting his will for our lives. So let's, let's sing this song together.
morning. Well, on Twitter, Barack Obama has the most followers, over 133 million followers. On TikTok, Kabi Lame, 154 million followers. On YouTube, a single person, Mr. Beast, 131 million subscribers or followers. On Instagram, Cristiano Ronaldo, over 540 million followers. The only account to have more followers is Instagram itself. The world is full of followers. And my question this morning is, who do you follow? Who do you follow? And I'm not just asking on social media. I mean in life as well. Whose voice do you listen to? Who are the people or groups of people that you listen to that you let affect your um, attitude and the way you live and the way you think? Because we're all influenced by the voices that we hear. But I want to tell you this this morning. There's another voice crying out to you this morning. The voice is calling you to follow him. It's the voice of Jesus crying out this morning. And he's making this huge statement this morning. I am the good shepherd. And this morning, I want us to think about what he's saying and why should we follow him? We need to understand why Jesus said this because, you know, Jesus was teaching and before that he was a carpenter. So Jesus wasn't even a shepherd. He didn't have sheep and yet here he is saying, I'm the good shepherd. It's an explosive statement actually is what he's saying here. You see, in the Old Testament, God is described all the way through as being like a shepherd to his people. So in the same way that a shepherd looks after his sheep, so God looks after his people. This is what it says in Isaiah 40. It says, Behold, the Lord comes with might. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And of course, we read Psalm 23 this morning. Really great to read it all together. David, the shepherd, knew that God was like a shepherd to him. That's what he says right at the beginning, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. God is the great shepherd throughout the whole Old Testament. You can trace it all the way through. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I am the good shepherd. Do you see what he's doing here? He's not just sort of having a look round and seeing some shepherds and thinking, well, I guess that's a little bit like me in terms of how I, how I sort of lead people, so I suppose I'm like a good shepherd. No, what he's doing is he's saying, I am God. He's telling us he is God. Or to put it another way, if this helps, he's not just claiming to be the good shepherd, he's claiming to be the God shepherd. So why listen to Jesus this morning? Why listen to this voice that's crying out to all of us? Well, because he's God. Seems a pretty good reason to me to listen to him. And the fact that he's doing miracles around this time is witnessing to show that this is true. So that makes him worth listening to, doesn't it? Makes him worth following. But what else is he saying here when he makes this statement, I am the good shepherd? Why should we want to follow him? 
as if we haven't got enough good reason already. Well, because he cares for us. He cares for us. Sometimes, to help us understand something, it's quite helpful to see the opposite. When we get the opposite, we kind of get the opposite of that. In, uh, we, we understand it more. And in the Old Testament, uh, the, sort of the kings and the priests that God had put in place to lead his people uh, were described as bad shepherds by God. They were meant to care for God's people, but instead of caring, God says, you don't care at all. You might remember a little while ago when we looked at the Lord is our righteousness. We're in Jeremiah 23. And in the context of that, God talks about the leaders of the time being bad shepherds. He says, you've scattered the people. You've not cared about them at all. You just don't care. And then in Ezekiel 34, it's a passage that really deals with shepherds and sheep. He really blasts the leaders of the time, the kings and the priests. He says, you've been eating plenty. You're living a high life but your sheep are going hungry. You're not feeding them. You've not looked after the weak sheep. You've not tried to heal the sick sheep. You've not bandaged up the injured sheep. When the sheep have gone missing, you haven't bothered going to try and find them. And what's happened is they've then been eaten by wild beasts. And those, those sheep that you still have in your flock that haven't actually escaped yet, you deal with harshly and with force. It's saying you don't, you don't care about other people. They just cared about themselves. And in fact, if you look at the actual context here in John chapter 10, Jesus is chatting to the Pharisees and he's actually uh, firing this accusation at them. He's saying, you are bad shepherds. But that's not what Jesus is like. Jesus isn't like that with people. He's a good shepherd. David knew, knew that just as he cared for his sheep, So God cared for his people, just like a shepherd. We get what a good shepherd is like from Psalm 23. Maybe you pick some of this up. He leads his sheep in green pastures. Sounds good, doesn't it? Especially when they were used to being in the the wilderness so much of the time around there. He finds still water so that they can drink. He gives them safe paths to walk on. He protects them. You know, the sheep in Jesus' care are happy sheep. He cares for the weak sheep. He heals the sick sheep. He binds up the injured sheep. When the sheep go running, what does he do? He chases them down and he rescues them before they perish in the wilderness. Because he loves every single sheep. It's picture language, but you get the point here, don't you? That Jesus cares really deeply about everyone that listens to him and follows him. He cares about how you're doing. He cares about your life. He cares about the little things as well as the big things. Just like a a good shepherd provides and protects for his sheep, so God provides and protects for his people. How much does he care? Well, simply put, a lot. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for us. Now, so far, I haven't said much about actual shepherding. There's not many of us as shepherds. I know we've got one or two in the congregation, um, but not many. It's a bit alien to a lot of us. But shepherding in the Middle East was so different to what many of us would recognise as shepherding today, what we'd sort of see in the countryside. 
You know, in the countryside today, shepherds might see a fox. Um, but shepherds back then, they were just in constant danger. You know, there were, there were bears, there were wolves, there were lions around. David talks, doesn't he, about fighting some of them off. And sheep are notoriously defenseless, aren't they? They haven't got claws. They haven't got teeth. They haven't got camouflage. They can't sort of puff themselves up to make themselves look bigger. They're defenseless. The only thing protecting them is the shepherd. So when a a wild animal comes along and fancies a meal, what does the shepherd do? Well, it depends how much he cares for the sheep. In verses uh, 12 and 13 of John 10, we see what happens when someone doesn't care because they don't own the sheep. This is what it says. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But what about the good shepherd? What does he do? But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. There's a book called uh, In the Steps of the Master. And uh, in it, a guy called H.V. Morton talks about when he visited the Middle East. And uh, they went for a walk at one point. And uh, they found a shepherd just torn to pieces. And uh, just nearby, there were all the sheep, perfectly safe. There was just this shepherd just laying dead. And if you're anything like me, you think, why didn't he run? (laughs) Let the wolf have the, the sheep. But you know, those sheep must have been very thankful that the shepherd didn't run. They had life because the shepherd died. And this is what Jesus has done for us. You know, God's judgment is coming at us, that's what the Bible says. And it's fair, and it's deserved, and it's coming at us. And it's far more deadly than lions or bears. And yet Jesus on the cross stands in the way, stands in between God's judgment and us, and he takes the full force of God's judgment for us. That's the good news of the Bible. He died so that we could live. He laid down his life for us so that we could have life. That's the good news of the Bible. And Jesus wants us to get this. He says it more than once, not because he's sort of going on about himself, but because he wants us to see the wonder of this. He says he laid down his life in verse 11, verse 14, verse 17, and verse 18. Jesus didn't lose his life. He didn't have his life snatched away. He laid down his life. He willingly gave up his life. Do you remember what happens when, um, when Jesus is arrested? Peter grabs out his sword and he cuts off the soldier's ear and he's, he's ready to fight for freedom. And Jesus says, put it away, Peter. Put it away. Don't you realise that if I wanted to, I could pray to my father and he would send more than 12 legions of angels down to rescue me? Jesus says, no, I've got to die. That's the mission plan. That's what I've got to do. You know, we cannot have life unless he gives up his life for us. That is the cost. Paul in the New Testament tells us, Christ loved the church. So that includes his people here today. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus says in verse 18, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. But then, notice, 
and I have authority to take it up again. You know, the shepherd that H.V. Morton saw remained dead, still is dead, but Jesus isn't. You know, Easter Sunday, we're looking forward to soon, is all about celebrating the fact that Jesus conquered death because he had authority to take up his life again. Jesus' death is not the end of a tragic story. And that's good news for us today because that means that Jesus today can still be the good shepherd for us. He cares for us. In fact, he cares for us so much that he willingly laid down his life for us. But why else would we follow him again as if we haven't had enough reasons already? Well, because he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. You know, one of the implications that's hopefully struck you by now is thinking that if Jesus is the the shepherd, then we are the sheep. And it's not the most flattering picture, is it? Because sheep don't exactly have the highest IQ in the animal kingdom. They follow wherever they're led. And then sometimes the sheep in front have some really bad ideas and they still follow. There was a story in the BBC uh, News, I think it was back in 2005, I only heard about it this week, where um, there were a group of shepherds and they were just having breakfast and they are taking their eye off the sheep, a huge flock of sheep. And uh, one sheep wandered off, the rest followed, and it walked over a cliff, a 15-metre cliff. And they all just followed. And so these shepherds looked on in horror as all these sheep just wandered over this cliff. You know, 1,100 sheep survived, but only because they landed on the 400 sheep that had gone over before them. They're just notoriously easily led. And they need looking after all the time. You take your eye off them and they do stupid things. You know, they need to be led by a shepherd. It's for their good. You know, sheep can so easily get lost from the shepherd. You know, sort of you can imagine them, you know, looking around and they sort of find a bit of grass and they're, oh, that looks nice. And they sort of wander off to the bit of grass and then munch that. Of course, there's not much grass because they're in the wilderness. So then they look up and there's a bit, another tuft over there. So they wander over there and have a little, you know, nibble and then, oh, another bit. And they go over there because the grass is always greener. And then suddenly they look around and, and the shepherd's gone and they're by themselves. And of course, in the wilderness, in in that country, they're vulnerable. There's no shepherd to to look after them. You know, the the shepherd knows what's best for us. Think of the story of the lost sheep and how he needed to be rescued. A shepherd will lead us to where we want to go. But you know, sadly, we're more like the sheep than perhaps we'd like to admit. You know, we live in a culture that says, be your own boss in life. Go wherever your heart tells you to go. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do. And and there are so many things in this life that seem good to so many people. It's like that little tuft of grass, and we think, oh, that looks good, and then we chase it. And then we chase a bit more. But these things, they lead us away from God. These things, if they're wrong. This is what Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. We've forgotten God the shepherd, forgotten Jesus, and we just do whatever we want. In Romans 1, it describes how people deliberately suppress the truth of what God is like because they wanted to do their own thing. And it says this, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Isn't that a bit like our culture today? So many people claiming to be wise. 
and yet you look, at, you look at it in the light of God's truth and you just say, they're fools. Isaiah 5 says, Woe to them who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows what's best for us and he wants what's best for us. You know, we can so easily feel, can't we, that Jesus is a bit of a killjoy. He's always saying no to the best things. That he doesn't really fit in with 21st century society. But Jesus knows what's best for us. We can have confidence in that. When we read his commands, when we see what he tells us, we can have confidence. He knows what's best for us. And he wants what's best for us as well. In fact, this is what he says just before. It kind of sneaks in where Jesus says, I'm the door, but I'm, I'm nicking it. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, if we want true life, go to Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd. He knows what's best for us, and he wants to give us what's best for us. But we have to stick with the shepherd. That's how we have abundant life. That's how we live life to the full. And you know, there will be times in life, a bit like in Psalm 23, where we're walking through the valleys, where we're walking through the wilderness, where things seem a bit tough. And maybe the temptation is to say, well, why did Jesus bring us here? I don't want to do this. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to find some nice grass. Is that what we do? No, in the tough times when life is difficult, that's particularly when we need to keep our eyes on the shepherd. That's when we focus on him, our guide, because he is the one that is leading us to those green pastures and to the still water where we can lie down. So he knows what's best for us. He's the good shepherd. But also, he knows us and we can know him. He knows us and we can know him. There's another key way that shepherds in sort of Middle Eastern times, especially back then, are different to what shepherds are like nowadays. So nowadays, if you watch shepherds being, uh, sorry, sheep being rounded up, you see sort of sheep dogs and maybe quad bikes and things. And they sort of, they chase them, don't they? They herd them. Um, in ancient Israel, sheep were led. So the, the shepherds had this really sort of um, almost intimate relationship with the sheep where the, the shepherds would walk and the sheep would follow them. And they knew each other. So the shepherd would know every single sheep by name and would know each sheep's characteristics. And the sheep would recognise the shepherd's voice at a really sort of close relationship. And it actually reminded me of a children's talk that I did a little while ago. So children, see if you can remember this talk, maybe some adults as well, but probably unlikely. So there was a man and he was walking along the top of a valley and he saw all these sheep, hundreds and hundreds of sheep, in this, in this valley. And there were three shepherds. And uh, he saw them walking along. And when they got to the end of the valley, these three shepherds went in three different directions. And they all had different sheep. And uh, you sort of think, well, how on earth do they work out whose sheep they are? Well, one of the shepherds suddenly did this. Yep, 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 yep. Do you remember this, children? No, maybe not. Maybe some of you do. Me looking a bit silly. And do you know, some of the sheep, they were walking along, and suddenly, they start following this one shepherd. The others don't. The others, they just carry on as they were. But some sheep, they change direction, and they go off after a shepherd. Suddenly, there's another another sound. And suddenly, other sheep, oh, what was that? And they, they go off after the second shepherd. But the other sheep... They just carry on as they were. Then what happens? Well, you can probably guess. 
hoot, hoot, hoot. Sonny, the remaining sheep who so far have been uninterested, Sonny, oh, and they follow the last shepherd. Why? Because those sheep recognise that shepherd's call and they know their shepherd. And there's a relationship there and they follow and they go in their different directions. You know, Jesus says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So that was the children's talk for adults. Verses 14 and 15 of John 10 is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. But get this, just as the father knows me and I know the father. So Jesus is saying that we can have the same relationship with him that he has with the Father. Isn't that incredible? So in the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, eternally perfect, that relationship, that perfect relationship, is the same relationship that we sinful people can have with Jesus because of what he's done, because he laid down his life for us. That's how special we are to Jesus. If we follow him, if we listen to his voice, that's how special we are to him. You know, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but wow. We can have the same relationship with Jesus that he has with his father. You know, some of you may have bumped into famous people. And it's a weird thing, isn't it, when you bump into someone famous. I haven't done it a ton. Some of you have. And you, you sort of go to say hello, and you, sort of, you know so much about them. And they just look at you blankly. Like, Who are you? It's sort of oh, it's disappointing almost. You know, it's not like that with God. You know, we can know him and he knows us. And it struck me when Luke was in the children's talk, thinking how big God is, and just thinking, but he knows us. He's so big and yet he knows us and he's got that relationship with us. And it also struck me, I didn't put this in my notes, but it struck me when we were doing the conference uh, last week. We're looking at Colossians 1 and Revelation 1 and just thinking about the supremacy of Christ. Who he is. He makes all things, sustains all things, over all things. And yet, he's the good shepherd that knows us by name. He cares for all his sheep. You know, the good, good shepherd's voice is ringing out this morning. Follow me. And maybe you're already doing that. Maybe you're following the good shepherd already. And if you are, keep your eyes on him. Because it's so easy to get distracted. And suddenly find yourself actually quite some distance away. If you're following him already, keep your eyes on him. Keep following him. But if you've never followed the good shepherd before, if you've never followed Jesus, listen to his voice. Follow him. He'll give you life and give it to the full. And I'm going to finish with verses 27 and 28 of John 10. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Well, we're going to sing. No prizes for guessing what. But I hope it's a helpful reminder to us as we sing. I hope it's special to us. As we sing, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want, he makes me lie in pastures green.
pray to close. Lord God, we thank you that even though you are supreme over all things, even though the sky and the heavens are too big to contain you, even though we cannot measure you, yet Lord, you are the good shepherd who cares for his sheep so much that you lay down your life for them so that we can have life. Lord, I pray that we would listen to your voice as it rings out this morning as you call us to follow you. Lord, help us to follow you. Lord, help us to know and trust that you lead us to green pastures and to still waters. Lord, help us to trust in you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.